0: Let us all turn in God's Word to Proverbs chapter 1. We began last week a study of the themes of Proverbs that will take us through the summer. This morning we'll be looking at Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 through 19. Hear now God's Word. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods and we shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird, but these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. You may have heard the saying, "Show me your friends and I will show you your future." There's many similar sayings reminding us of how important it is to be mindful of the company that we keep. I mentioned last week and we're going to mention this almost every week as we begin this study of Proverbs. Normally, our, our habit, our approach to Scripture is to take a book of the Bible and just go chapter for chapter through it and, and just see God's Word as it appears to us in that order. But Proverbs doesn't allow us to do that. Proverbs is not structured in a way that, that flows uh, from verse to verse and chapter to chapter for the most part. It takes a different structure, and so we have to approach it in a different way. And so what we're going to be doing for the next few months as we look at Proverbs is we're going to be looking at the topics or themes that Proverbs addresses throughout the whole book. And this morning, uh, we're continuing our look at chapter one, which gives us an introduction to some of those themes. And we're looking at the importance of the company that you keep, the company of wisdom. Proverbs confronts us again and again with the question of Who are the people that you allow into your life? And what influence do they have over you? And where is that ultimately leading you? Now, when I use that word company or community, you'll be hearing that word community a lot. I mean it in a very particular way. I'm not just talking about the people who are around you. Many of you, I'm sure, live in a neighborhood and probably couldn't even tell me the names of the people that live on your street. That's not a community in the in the likes of which I'm speaking right now. I'm talking about the people who have access into your life, people who are able to call you out when you're wrong or who speak loving truth when you're down, people who you go to when you're in need. People, some of whom are further down the path that you are on right now and whose life is an example of of what you will face 5, 10, 20 years down the road. And maybe some people who are not as far along as you are and to whom you serve as an example or model of what is to come for good or for bad. I'm talking about the people you're trying to imitate either consciously or unconsciously. People whose values and priorities you're absorbing and starting to imitate in your own life. That's your community. Now that might be and should include people who are physically present in your life, but that's also going to include people that you don't know, but whom you listen to. Podcasts, news anchors, blogs that you read, people you follow on social media whose whose view of the world is starting to be absorbed in your own heart and your own mind. That's part of your community. And for many of you, that community is the most significant one in your life. You're beginning to to reflect the words and phrases that you're hearing in that community. You're beginning to share the values that are reflected in that community. It's very different from casual friendships or physical proximity or regular acquaintances that you have with people whose names you know but who have no impact or bearing on your life. And so Proverbs confronts us with this question. What is the company that you keep? Who is your community? Because God has designed you to live in a community that will affect and shape and form you in a very specific way. But if we're to do that, to live in the way that the gospel calls us to live, we have to be in the right community. Three things that I I see as I look over Proverbs with this topic of community in mind Three things about community. The first is that communities are formational. Formational. That word formational means something that shapes us, that changes us, that makes us who we are. Proverbs 13.20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Or the more familiar Proverbs 27, Iron sharpens iron. And one man sharpens another. The people that we allow into our life, the, the voices we listen to, the lives we imitate, they are formational. They shape us, they determine who we are, what our character is, what our values are. If you allow yourself to be in a community of the wise, you will be more likely and inclined to become wise. If you are a companion of fools, you will become like the fool. And so we begin in these verses this morning in Proverbs 1, seeing how listening to wisdom shapes us positively. In chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. This is an example of the positive community, the community of the wise, the father and mother who are giving good insight, good wisdom, good counsel to their children. Those who heed that, those who listen to that and absorb that and learn from that, it becomes a beautiful thing in their life, a graceful garland. It becomes a prosperous, helpful thing in their life, a pendant for your neck. But this sword cuts both ways. If we make our community among people who are merciful, loving, forgiving, selfless, content, and joyful, we should expect to see those virtues growing in us. But likewise, if we keep company with people who are by nature envious or always discontent, always longing for more that they don't have or always critical of others or always lazy or destructive or slanderous or greedy, we should not be surprised when those same things start appearing in our life. Proverbs 22 warns, make no friendship with a man who is given to anger. Nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Are you allowing people to speak into your life who are wrathful, who are angry, who are greedy, who are covetous? You will be entangled in a snare just as they will because you learn their ways. You see how they respond to other people. You see how they react to the world around them. And you adapt and you follow. We learn the ways of the people around us. We learn to talk like them and to think like them. We see the world the way they see it. And so we're warned in Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. There's another translation of that that I really like. It, it captures the imagery of the original language. It, the, the author says, do not let the world squeeze you into its mold. The word conformed in Romans 12 is, is the word from which we get the idea of plastic. The word plastic. It's something molded and shaped into an image. And that's what happens. The world conforms you. It shapes your way of thinking and shapes who you are. Communities are formational. And instead of being squeezed into the mold of the people around us, speaking with the words they speak, acting in the way they act, reacting in the way that they react to things, we need to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. There's so many good illustrations of this, and I had a hard time picking one. If I had pictures to put up, I would show you the picture of a duck standing among flamingos, holding up its leg because that's what everybody around him is doing. He doesn't know why he's doing it. That's just what you do. And likewise for us. And don't think just because you're not a child or a teenager or an impressionable youth, don't think you are immune to this as well. We see this at every (laughs) stage of life. You start listening to that new radio show. You start watching that new TV show. You start following that other person online. Or you start spending more time with that neighbor. And you find yourself using the words and phrases and ideas and arguments that they have. The communities around us shape us. Therefore, because we naturally act like the people around us, we should be very careful about the company we keep. But you may object, wasn't Jesus a friend of tax collectors and sinners? Wasn't Jesus known for hanging around the wrong kind of people? Absolutely, yes, he was. And we are never in Scripture told to only associate with good Christian people. One of my favorite passages in Scripture, Paul is mocking people who who took that the wrong way who thought that he was saying, don't even talk to people who aren't Christians. Just completely avoid and cut out of your life everybody who's sexually immoral or greedy or whatever. He says, to do that, you've got to leave the planet, people. It's not going to happen. Okay, that's unrealistic. And likewise, we follow in the footsteps of a Savior who came to seek and to save the lost, but we do it in the way that Jesus did. As Jesus befriended sinful people, he did so... In order to say to them, come follow me. Not I'm going to follow you. Not I'm going to live the way you live. But instead, I am coming into your world in order to call you out of it. To tell you, go forth and sin no more. To tell you to leave behind what is sinful and to follow in my footsteps. That's how Jesus befriended the tax collectors, the sinners, the unsavory people, the, the people whose ways were not right. He didn't follow them. He called them to instead follow him. And so in Proverbs 1.15, our passage today, we are warned regarding the sinners. Do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. It is one thing to befriend and to love someone who is not on the path of Christ. But it's another thing entirely to walk in their path, to walk in their way, to live as they live and to head in their direction. With such people, we should try, we should try to have the kind of relationships that reaches in and draws them out of a self-destructive lifestyle. To be the one who is bringing a gospel that forms them. To be a community that is formational to them in a new way. But in order to do that, in order to be able to do that, we have to have something to draw them in to. We have to call them out of one community and into another. So we, if we are to grow and be established in our Christian hope and to call others to the same thing, we have to be grounded in the kind of community that is forming us and shaping us more like Christ. Listen how that's described in Ephesians chapter 4. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, this is describing the community of God's people, relating together, connecting together, influencing one another, makes the body of Christ grow so that it builds itself up in love. If you are in Christ, this is already true of you. This is the community. The body of Christ is the community that you've been placed in that is to be formational for you, And one of the most important jobs of the church is to shape you in the image of Christ. The church is called to make disciples of all nations. That is forming people, shaping them, making them more like Christ. So I urge you, and Proverbs urges you, to look around at the people in your life. Now many of you are here Sunday morning. But is this your community? Are these the people who are influencing and shaping the person that you are becoming? Who are the people that are most influential over you? Who are the people that have access to your life? Who are the people that you look up to and emulate, whose choices and examples shape your own? And what are they forming you to be? That's the next thing about communities we see in Proverbs. They are formational. They shape us. But communities are also directional, meaning they, they lead us in a certain direction. They take us somewhere. Proverbs 16, 29 says a man of violence entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. We see this also in the bulk of of the passage we looked at this morning in chapter 1. The violent gang enticing the young man. And they say in verse 14, Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. In other words, when you join us, you'll share the outcome that we experience. Now their expectation is the outcome is going to be good, profitable. It's going to be prosperous. Join us and we're going to split the money that we steal. But we are also warned that when the outcome is not what you expect, you still share the outcome. You still end up in the same destination. In verse 16, their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. And it's, it's very possible that there's a double meaning like a pun here in in the original language in the hebrew language the word evil their feet run to evil evil can mean to do evil things which is how it most obviously means here their feet rush to do evil things but that same word in hebrew also means to experience in yourself calamity to experience misfortune to have bad things happen to you so just as they rush to do evil what ends up happening is they're actually rushing to experience evil in themselves. It's going to collapse on them. They make haste to shed innocent blood, but really they are quickening their own doom. And it is their own blood that will be paid. In verses 17 and 18, says, or verse 17 says, In vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. In other words, it would be foolish to think that a bird is just going to fly into your trap that you lay out. Hey, here, birdie, birdie, birdie. Come into my net, birdie, birdie. doesn't happen. (coughs) To my knowledge, birds are not that stupid. And yet, those who do those things are acting in a self-destructive way, just like a bird that would fly right into a net. The author of Proverbs is pointing out how foolish it is to enter into this lifestyle because you're fleeing in to a net that will trap and destroy you. Verse 18, these men, they lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. That's the destination. Communities are directional. They take you somewhere. They're leading you towards something. Proverbs makes the point that this should be no surprise because our desires determine our direction. Our desires determine our direction. We move in the direction of what it is we really want. And community. A community of people is usually a group of people moved in the same direction by the same desires. In verse 19, such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. Everyone who latches on to those desires, who is formed by a community in such a way that they desire what this community desires, they all end up in the same place because that community is directional. It moves you in one direction. And so as you consider the people That you spend your time with. Not just physically, but also the online presence of those you listen to. The entertainment that fills your time and shapes how you see the world. The people you trust for information. In other words, as you examine the company that is forming and shaping you, ask yourself. What is their desire? What is this community pursuing? What is their goal? Because if I'm listening to them and imitating them, being shaped by them, it's going to lead me along and carry me along in the direction that it is heading. Now, it won't always be as explicit as in Proverbs one we We're going to find precious goods and we'll fill our houses with plunder. That's an explicit like this is what we're after. Usually it's more subtle than that. But every community is moving towards something. And its direction is determined by its desires? Are the desires of your community to advance self, to make me number one? Is the desires of the people you're listening to, to have power, to have wealth, to change the world in a certain way that is not in accord with the gospel? Be very mindful of the direction of the community that you're involved in. Listen to the description we saw earlier, the same verses we looked at earlier in Ephesians 4. Listen now to the direction that it speaks of. Speaking the truth in love, we grow up in every way into Him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You see the direction of Christian community. The direction of Christian community is not first and foremost political power, personal prosperity, or any kind of social agenda. The direction of the Christian community is to exalt Jesus Christ and to imitate Him in our lives. In Christ we grow together. We become like Him. That is the direction of the community into which God has placed you by His grace. There's one more important thing about communities that we see here in Proverbs. We see that they are formational. They shape who we are and who we're becoming. They're directional. They move us in a certain way. The last thing we see here is that communities are intentional. They are intentional. Something is intentional when it's done on purpose, not by accident. And we choose, we choose which people will speak into our lives to help us become something new. These verses in Proverbs set up the contrast right from the start. Verse 8, we already looked at. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Forsake not your mother's teaching. That's one community that you are called to heed, to listen to. But then in verse 10, there's another choice. My son, if sinners entice you, if they say, come with us, that's another choice. And you're faced with a choice. Which one am I going to listen to? And Proverbs is careful to frame it this way because communities are intentional. You make choices that determine who is in your life, who gets a voice in your decisions, who you go to for advice and counsel, whose values you imitate. Listen to the advice of Proverbs 1 verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. I... I sometimes have to to bite my tongue when I hear people talk about falling into sin. That sounds so accidental, doesn't it? I was doing my best to avoid sinning, but then I just fell into it. When we speak like that, we're deflecting responsibility. We're speaking as if we had no choice in the matter, which is the opposite of what Scripture tells us when it says that no temptation has seized you. Except what is common to man, and when you are tempted, the Lord will always provide a way out. We choose whether or not to listen to and to follow people and consent to follow people who would lead us in a bad direction. We choose whether or not to imitate evil people. Although by the time we make that choice, we've already placed ourselves deep enough in their company that, we ha- that there's a great chance that they will influence us and that we will respond. Now... I want to be clear, chapter 1 is describing a violent gang of robbers. And so it's very possible that many of you are like, well, I'm not listening to anybody telling me to go rob someone's house and fill my house with plunder. So I'm good, right? But as we continue in Proverbs, we see that it's not just violent robbers that will entice us and call us to live a certain way and that we are called to reject. For example, we're also talking about fools which in Proverbs refers to a person who's morally wayward, somebody who's making choices that are against what God had said is wise. For example, Proverbs 14 tells us to leave the presence of a fool, or turn off the radio when you hear their voice, or unsubscribe and unfollow the fool. For there you do not meet words of knowledge. You have a choice whether or not to listen to a fool. Leave the presence of a fool. We're also talking about people who don't control their words in Proverbs 20. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. You have a choice to keep listening when somebody is speaking to you words that are not words of encouragement and edification and righteousness. We're also talking about people who don't control their appetites in Proverbs 28. The one who keeps the law is a son with understanding, but a companion of gluttons shames his father. Now, glutton is a term that refers to someone who indulges their hunger without any restraint. Usually we think of food, but the same idea applies to video games, to shopping, to technology. Anyone who lets themselves be controlled by their appetite for something is a glutton. And we are called to not be a companion of a glutton. With all these types of people, we choose whether or not they are a part of our lives in a way that shapes us and moves us in the direction they're going. Proverbs warns us against allowing such people to be an influence over us, to be in our lives in a way that shapes us and sets our direction. Psalm Psalm 1 puts it this way. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. The journey of Christian discipleship is not a solitary journey. The company that you keep in life will either aid you in following Jesus, or it will hinder you and misdirect you and ultimately lead you astray. But here's here's the good news. Here's Here's the gospel as it relates to the company that we keep. Almost everything we've been seeing in Proverbs and hearing this morning is spoken from the human perspective, from the choices you are called to make, from the situation you place yourself in. The choices you make and the impact of your decisions about community. But there is a deeper truth at work. There's a deeper truth at work behind and before the choices that you make. Because the wisdom of Proverbs, and you're going to hear this every week, maybe not in these words, but you're going to hear this idea every week that we are in Proverbs. The wisdom of Proverbs is not teaching us how to be saved. The wisdom of Proverbs is teaching us how to live now that God has already saved us. Let me say that again. The wisdom of Proverbs is not teaching you how to be saved. It's teaching you how to live now that you are already saved. Now that you are chosen by God and blessed by Him and saved by Him. What does it look like to be a child of God? What does it look like to be shaped and transformed and led by grace? Here is the way of wisdom. Here is what it looks like. You're not looking at Proverbs saying, what do I have to do to make God happy? You're looking at Proverbs and reading, what does God call me to do now that He has placed His favor upon me and made me His child? Listen to the words of Jesus in John 15, saying to his disciples, you did not choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in my Father's name, in my name, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Keep that up there just for a little bit. Um, Christ allowed himself to become sin. He who no, knew no sin became sin for us in order that we might become the righteousness of God. Without the work of Christ, we would be destined to foolishness, foolish choices, foolish communities. We would be trapped in that. Being hated and hating one another as the, as the word of God says. But Christ took on sin, took on foolishness that we might become righteousness and might become wise. Christ allowed Himself to be accounted among the sinners to receive in Himself the destiny of sinful choices, to be set upon by evil men and to be Himself punished as an evil man in order that you might be freed from the destiny of the evil. And now He has chosen you, He says. Not just for salvation, but to belong to a people who will love one another. Who will do the things that He has commanded. God has chosen you, as you heard already this morning in our worship. Not just for salvation, but to belong to a people who are holy. He has made you His child. He has made you, He has chosen you to be His friend, His loved one. A part of His family. That is the community to which you now belong. And because you are a part of that community, you are able to live wisely. Because you are a part of the community of those who are saved by God, you are now able to choose people in your life who will form you and direct you. The community that will shape you and lead you in the direction of Christ. I call upon you to do these things, not because I see you in a path of danger and and destruction and want you to come out on your own power and on your own decision making. I call you to do these things, church, because you are the people of God. You have been placed in the family of God. You have now the community you need to live wisely in a way that leads to life, in a way that honors God and ultimately brings joy. Live now in that community. Choose that community. Be shaped by that community. And go where that community leads. Because Christ has made all things possible for you. By becoming the fool who was destroyed by evil to make you righteous. Let us thank Him for the community He gives us. Let us sing of the church in which He places us to His own glory. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank You. For Zion, we thank you for the community of God's people. We thank you for the home that you have made for us. We thank you for the Savior who makes these things possible. Shape us now in the image of Christ. Because you have already redeemed us in Christ. Surround us with your body that will build us up. Because you have already given your life for that body. We thank you for Jesus Christ who makes these things possible. We thank you for the people around us. Teach us to rely on one another, draw strength from one another, and reject every path, every community that would lead us far from you. We pray this in our Savior's name.